These guys are going to be getting this together back here because we have a very special guest and presentation that's going to be taking place. And uh, it's my greatest honor to be able to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, I first met him about three years ago through Pastor or Dr. Rob Carmen. You heard Dr. Rob preach uh, a couple of couple of months ago here at our church, and he was a huge blessing. And he told me, he said, yeah, let's hear, give it up for Dr. Rob. You can't, you can't mention Dr. Rob in this uh, congregation and not celebrate. Well, he, he said, I want you to meet an Aussie friend of mine, and he's a crazy Aussie, and I want him, I'd love for you to consider having him preach at your church. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know this guy. I, I just, you know, that's my first inclination. I always kind of hold off. And if, if you know me, you're good, you, you know that uh, when you call me or text me, um, I probably won't get back to you until like the 10th call or text. I'm just hard to, to, to get on the phone like that. And so he calls and he calls and he calls and he calls and he calls. And I figure if I just keep ignoring him, I could just, I could just you know, not have to deal with it. But he just was persistent about relationship, and he has been one of the biggest blessings in my life, and I thank you for your persistence. I thank you, Pastor Andrew, because you are a man of God, and you speak God's word, and you speak life, and every time you're around me, you share life with me, and you give me uh, things I didn't even know I needed. Like, I didn't know how dry I was until he insisted I go to the Gateway Conference. Since then, I haven't missed and I'm taking as many people as I can with me every year. And so that came because he cared enough to be an encourager. The man I'm introducing to you is an encourager. He speaks life. He believes in the word of God. He's spirit-filled, dynamic. He's an awesome friend because he cares and puts others first. Help me welcome Pastor Andrew McLennan. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I just want to say before he sits down, uh, I really love your pastors, Pastor Chris and Melissa and their family, beautiful kids and just a beautiful family. And, you know, before uh, as a pastor, I worked in London trading futures and options, you know, it's a fairly stressful job. Uh, after that, I worked in commercial talkback radio in Australia. They're very stressful when you work in the media, when you work in the deadlines. And then I became a pastor and I thought, man, this is the hardest job in the world. And it is. I know it looks like fun because you see us on Sunday, man, we're looking good. We're all happy. And, you know, but let me tell you, Monday to Saturday, being a pastor, we face some challenges. You know, we face some spiritual battles. You, you face emotional battles. And it's not the easiest job in the world. In the Western world, uh, particularly in America, a lot of pastors are resigning. You guys in America right now have more pastors quitting than joining the ministry. Uh, and there's a reason for that. It's, it, it, it's hard to describe, and I don't want to be too negative about it, but it's a battle, okay? And I just want you to always honor your pastors because 20 years ago, this was just fields. There was just deer and hogs running around here, you know? And now you've got this amazing church and this amazing property. And amen, yeah. And you got worship going on here. You got young people singing. You got the word being preached. You know, people are being touched by God. People are being saved. Well, that all came out of the heart of your pastors. You know, the, the vision came out of their hearts. And we've got to honor the man and the woman that God sends to us. Are you hearing me? So I honestly, I want to encourage you, honor your pastors, love your pastors, 
Thank you, pastors. I love these guys so much, and I mean that. You know, I haven't started preaching yet, okay? I'm telling the truth right now. I love these guys. I really love them. It's just since we... And I don't even know why I kept ringing you all the time. I don't normally ring people either, you know? But... Um, I just felt to ring this guy, ring this guy, and I keep ringing him and, and seeing him, and uh, yeah, I saw you guys at the Gateway Conference, like, man, we had a good time, that's too long, that hug was way too long, we got to just, we got to settle down there, weird. settle down, got weird, yeah, got weird, weird. but um, I just love these guys so much, and I said this morning in the first service, I got a feeling we're going to live close to each other in heaven, I think we're going to have a lot of fun in heaven we together. We way too much fun. <laughs> we'll play golf, we'll shoot deer, maybe we'll make a rocket ship or two, I don't know what we're going to do up there, but it's going to be Fun, but I just feel a connection to your pastors and your church. And my church loves you. My wife loves you, Pastor Melissa. And we were with these guys in Gateway. My son Ryan came here, man. He loved it here. Was it last April, I think he came, or May for his birthday? Man, he came back to Australia and he said, Dad, I want to move to Texas. He literally, he wants to come here. So... I'm talking to Pastor Chris about, you know, the possibility of some girls around that age group, maybe when they're a bit older, you know, in about 10 years, we might arrange... He's trying to arrange a marriage. And also one last thing before I give him the, the time, he wants to shoot a hog. If anyone can help him hook that up for Monday evening, he wants to go hunting. Mm-hmm. Amen. But uh, yeah, I just want to say that our family love your family, Chris and, and Melissa, and thank you for letting me be here today. And yeah, and thank Dr. Rob for connecting us together. And uh, it, there's a holy triangle of pastors around here. We've got Paul and Brooke Mason, you guys, Brandon and Jennifer Holler there and Lockhart. And it's like this holy triangle. Every time I come here, man, I get encouraged. Uh, every time I go home from Texas, I, I feel encouraged. You, you probably don't realize, but Texas is the most Christian state in the world. No, it is. It is. You, you take it for granted. But you go anywhere in Europe, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, you go anywhere where you don't see a state like Texas, there's, there's so much uh, of God here. There's so many great churches here, so many great Christians here. Don't take it for granted. I believe in my heart that the Holy Spirit's going to continue to stir a fire up in the state of Texas. And it's no accident that people are coming here. I know you don't want too many Californians here. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm flying back through LA on the way home. I came through LA and I just said for that four hours, I was there, God, please don't let your judgment fall down. Just let me, let me get out of here before... You know, but I think, I, think, I think the smart ones are coming here. And you know what? And obviously people are coming from south of the border. But I want you to listen. It's not an accident that they're coming. I think God's hand is on the fact that people are coming here. And God's bringing them here to get saved. God's bringing them here to get on fire. God's bringing them here so the church can impact more people's lives. I really feel that in my heart. So I want us to pray here today. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to be together in your house. Lord Jesus, I thank you despite our age, despite our background, Lord, despite the color of our skin, our cultural background, Lord God, who, how much uh, wealth we have or we don't have. Lord, I thank you. You accept all of us. You love all of us, Lord God, and you stand with all of us in the battles of life. And I pray, reveal your word to us today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone say it. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got a message today. And what I want to talk to you about today is, you know, our society have become very good at projecting images of success. Through social media, you know, our society has become expert at showing the world how happy we are, 
how successful we are, what great relationships we have, what great holidays we have. If you look at some people on Instagram or Facebook, you think, man, these people are living a perfect life. And I, I said this morning, if you're an alien looking down, you'd be amazed that you watch these earthlings going to some of the most beautiful places in the world, maybe the Grand Canyon or Hawaii or the mountains of Colorado or the, you know, the glaciers of Alaska, and you see these earthlings and these beautiful venues and locations, and instead of absorbing the environment and really taking in the beauty of what God has made, they see these earthlings doing this, or even worse, my soul hates selfie sticks. I'm sorry if you've got one, but I, I hate those stupid. That was a break those things. You see people like this with a selfie stick. So rather than you know absorb the environment and the beauty of where they're at, it's all about the selfie. We live in a society where it's all about the selfie. People are obsessed with taking a photo and trying to show everyone somewhere else in some darkened bedroom somewhere or some other part of the world, trying to prove to everyone how happy they are. But, you know, um, and I'm going to get on to that, uh, more about that later, but I looked up in the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, uh, and they recently reported that in America, North America, Americans spent a whopping one, uh, sorry, $16.5 billion on cosmetic plastic surgery procedures. $16.5 billion every year is spent in your nation on cosmetic and plastic surgery. Why? Because everyone is looking for the perfect image. You know, I'm no expert in these matters, but I think a few years ago there was a time where people wanted reductions around here. Now they want a Kim Kardashian and they're getting additions. I mean, <laughs> no one knows what they want anymore, but the winners are the plastic surgeons and the cosmetic surgeons. They're making a lot of money. They're $16.5 billion, man. You could, you could help a third world country out with that sort of money. And as a bit of trivia for you, the most expensive surgical procedures uh, include facelift, tummy tuck, breast reduction, and nose reshaping. I've only had three of those, so, you know, <laughs> I'm only kidding. I've had none. This is organic. What you see today is just organic, okay? <laughs> And I'm not against having a healthy body. I try and work out and keep in shape. You know, I actually work pretty hard at keeping in shape. But uh, I haven't been under the knife, and, and God forbid I ever go under the knife. But the point is this. People in our society are obsessed with the way they look. They're obsessed with projecting an image of happiness and success and contentment. But the reality is, despite all this, and despite incredible wealth, you know the wealth available today in the Western world is just almost unbelievable if you were alive a hundred years ago and you were to tell people that the average American would live in a house of four or five bedrooms with air conditioning, with the average American household would have two to three cars per household, that there'd be running clean water, that there'd be electricity that never, you know, stops or blacks out unless there's some sort of natural disaster, that the roads would be smooth and clean without potholes. If you told someone this stuff a hundred years ago, they would have said, wow, that sounds like heaven. Stores like Walmart. Stores like Cabela's. Man, I went to Cabela's yesterday. I took some Aussies with me because uh, one of our young guys, Tony, I think, visited you guys with me. He got married on Friday to a Texan girl over in Lockhart. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing Australians out here, man. They're staying, you know. I can't keep doing that. They'll lose my whole church eventually. They'll all move over here. 
But, you know, I brought these Aussies and I, I said, we're going to go to Cabela's. And I said, when you go to Cabela's, you've got to get down on your knees. You've got to thank God for putting a store like Cabela's on this earth. It's just huge. It's got everything. I could spend a whole day in there. It's like a museum, you know, of fun. You know, fishing, hunting, camping, whatever you want, it's there. And, and yet, despite all this stuff we have in our modern society, we have a society that's filled with issues. Despite the image of success we project, people are facing issues in our society. And it makes no sense. Because on the outside, everything seems so nice. But on the inside, people are facing issues and they can't beat it. They can't beat it. You know, in the US, 18 0.1% of the adult population are suffering from some form of mental illness. The most common of these is depression and serious anxiety. That's almost 20%. One in five adults in your nation, and my nation's the same, Australia's about the same. One in five adults suffer from a form of mental illness. It's internal, it's not external. And the external stuff's not fixing it. But it's real to people. And it torments. And it steals. And it robs. We live in a society where suicide is an issue. It's a problem. I've just heard in America in the last two years, two pastors have committed suicide. Let alone people. What is it? It's not the external stuff. They probably had some of that. It's the issues deep down inside people's hearts that they haven't been able to beat, they haven't been able to overcome. Youth mental health in your nation is, is not good. Between 2012 and 2017, in a five-year period, the youth of America uh, mental illness increased from 8.6% to 13%. And these kids know how to use Instagram, I'm telling you, and Snapchat, and only God knows what they're using. I can't even keep up with my daughter. All I know is every now and then I confiscate that phone, I just hide it from her. I say, get off that silly thing. But they're so good at working the technology. But in your nation, 13% of youth under the age of 18 have a mental illness, and it's mainly depression. Because they're seeing all these other people who look so perfect, and they're comparing themselves and thinking, I'm not like that. I don't look like that. Or the online bullying, people bombarding other people with messages of hate and abuse, and it's hurting, it's cutting. We had a, a young girl in Australia who was a model, a beautiful little girl, 14-year-old girl. She used to model for one of the most famous clothing lines in Australia, and other girls who were jealous of her were bombarding her with abuse on Facebook and criticism. She took her own life. 14, beautiful girl, everything ahead of her. But this online, virtual, social media world, it destroyed her. It destroyed her. And we see this phenomena in our society. And so today, I want to look at just three issues. They're not the only issues in life, but they're just three, you know. And I want you to use these as representative issues. They may not be the issues that you're facing, but they are three issues. And uh, the first issue I want to look at today, Cody's going to unveil, and we have number one, depression. 
Depression is a big issue. Depression uh, is not just feeling sad. We all feel sad. It's okay to be sad. But depression is a condition. Depression is like a dark cloud that descends on people's minds and they can't shake it. It doesn't matter if the sun's shining. It doesn't matter if they've got a good job. It doesn't matter if they've got a family and and a relationship. I I was with a non-Christian man once and he said to me, he was from Britain. He said, Andrew, when I was young, the, the narrative I received was get educated, get a great job, get married, have kids, be successful and you'll be happy. And he said, Andrew, right now I'm on antidepressant medication. He goes, I can't survive without it. He goes, the narrative didn't work. There's something missing in my life. And so many people in our society are like that. They face depression. I want to talk to you about some statistics and information on this. Research suggests that things like long-term unemployment, living in an abusive or uncaring relationship, long-term isolation or loneliness, prolonged work stress can cause depression. Other factors that can trigger depression are family history, In some families, depression can be a genetic thing. Other things can be personality. Some people can be more at risk of depression because of their personality, particularly if they have things like a lot of worry in their lives, low self-esteem, are perfectionists, are sensitive to personal criticism or are self-critical and negative. Sometimes serious medical illness can cause depression. People with long-term illnesses can become depressed. Drug and alcohol use can both cause depression and drug and, house and, and alcohol abuse can also cause, uh, be the consequence of depression. People try and self-medicate by drinking and taking drugs to try and medicate and try and get that dark cloud out of their minds. Depression is very real in our society. It's an issue. In Australia, we call it the black dog. Some of our most famous personalities and celebrities and sporting stars have come forward and admitted they can't shake it. It haunts them, it torments them. Despite all their success, despite the thousands of people cheering for them, this thing, they can't get rid of it. The second issue I wanna look at today is fear and anxiety. Good boy, Cody. You'd think he'd been doing this his whole life, wouldn't you? Look at that. Fear and anxiety. People are afraid in our society. And I think the media's got a lot to answer for. You know, in the olden days, you might just live like Little House on the Prairie, up on a hill with a family and a, and a cottage and, you know, ma and pa or just be working and farming and chopping wood and the kids will be dancing down the hillside, you know, singing and, and going to church on Sunday, you know, and people were kind of happy. Maybe every now and then a tragedy would come or a challenge would come and they'd deal with it. But today, we just come home from work and turn the TV on and suddenly we're aware of some mudslide in some country we've never heard of and then a bomb going off in the Middle East and then a protest in this country when people are angry about this and some other you know, terrible event. And we are bombarded and bombarded and bombarded with images of death and destruction and it's creating fear. And we have a generation now terrified. People are afraid of the future. They're afraid of the 
past. They're afraid of the present. Some people are afraid to be themselves. They're afraid that if they are honest about who they are, that they'll be rejected. They won't be accepted by others. So they put on a mask, they put on a show. And even in the church world, we do this. It sounds like this. How are you today, brother? Praise the Lord. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm overcoming. Praise God. But sometimes it's a mask. It's not real. It's okay if it's real. Say it. But if you're facing some of this stuff, don't pretend. Talk to someone about it. Talk to God about it. And talk to a mature Christian leader about it. It it can be your pathway to freedom. Amen. People are afraid of other things like the state of society. Man, you watch the news, man. They've been since... I mean, I'm not political, I'm not a member of a party, but God bless Donald Trump. Ever since he came into power, the news media have been carrying on like the world's going to end. It's just like, come on, can we just settle it down? I think just turn it off. That's a good idea. Just, just turn it off. Don't listen to that stuff because they're carrying on like the world's about to end because their chosen candidate didn't get in power and they're creating fear. People are afraid of crime. People are afraid of political instability. They're afraid of their job security, so they work long hours because they're afraid that they'll lose their job. They're afraid of uh, financial security, personal safety, war, and climate change. We have young people across the earth right now that are literally terrified about the state of the environment. That young girl from Scandinavia who the United Nations in their stupidity gave her a voice to the world and she stood there and she cried. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, She wept about two weeks ago and cried and pointed a finger and said, you're wrecking the world. You're wrecking the world. We've only got 10 years. She honestly thinks that the world's going to end in 10 years. The fear that has been cultivated in her. I got some good news for you, people. The world is not ending in 10 years. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God has control of this earth, not us. And Jesus said these words. He said, when the Son of Man returns, there'll be two in the field. There'll be two in the house. There'll be two in the bed. That means people are going to be working the fields. That means people are going to be living in beds. That means the earth is not going to end. Climate change is not going to ruin the earth. This earth is going to be here until Jesus comes back again. And you need to tell the young people this. We have a message of hope for our youth. We have a message of hope for the young people in our world today. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. And I'm not saying abuse the environment and wreck the place, but I'm telling you, it's not going anywhere. This world is not ending in 10 years. And I tell my young people and my kids, man, you study hard and you work hard and you pray hard because God's got a future for your life and you're going to live a long life. You're going to live a full life and you're going to live a blessed life with Jesus. Amen. But fear and anxiety are real. Fear is a result of the curse. When Adam and Eve were created, man, they were large and in charge. They were naked and unashamed. They were loud and proud. They walked through the Garden of Eden. They walked through the earth. They had no fear of any beast. They had no fear of God Himself. There was nothing in this world that they were afraid of. I believe Adam would have wrestled with lions. I believe he would have backhanded elephants, you know. 
Everything was afraid of Adam. He wasn't afraid of anything. But after he sinned, the Bible says, the first thing that happened, he got afraid. Fear is a curse. Fear is a result of the curse. Fear is not God's best for your life. He didn't make you to live in fear. Amen. But it's a real issue in people's lives. So everyone feels anxious from time to time, but for someone experienced serious anxiety, these feelings aren't controlled. They're uncontrollable. And anxiety is the most common mental health condition in America today, anxiety, serious anxiety. It can paralyze people and it can stop them from making wise choices in life. The third issue I wanna look at is low self-esteem, low self-esteem. Self-esteem is what you think of yourself when no one else is around. Oh, we can all put on the happy face. We can all project our images. But when you close the door at night, when you lie down at night and put your head on that pillow and there's no one else around, what do you really think of yourself? What do you honestly think of yourself? That's what self-esteem is. It's how you really feel about yourself. And low self-esteem is a massive issue in our society. It can be shaped by things like our upbringing, the environment in which we live, our age, our perceived beauty, our material possessions, our achievements, our successes and our failures. Low self-esteem is a thinking disorder in which an individual views themselves as inadequate, unlovable and incompetent. And once formed, this negative view permeates every thought, producing faulty assumptions and ongoing self-defeating behaviour. Let me give you some examples of what life's like for people with low self-esteem. They're always saying negative things about themselves, always being critical of themselves. They focus on their negatives and ignore their positives. They think other people are better than them. They find it hard to accept compliments. They feel sad, depressed, anxious, ashamed or angry. They may have difficulty. They may have difficulty with relationships and problems at work or school. People with low self-esteem are more susceptible to drug and alcohol abuse. They also engage in self-harm and cutting. We see teenagers today cutting themselves, hurting themselves. What is it? It's low self-esteem. And sadly, they're more inclined to engage in sexual activity outside of marriage that later causes shame and regret and more depression. And so it's a vicious cycle. When people don't see any worth in themselves, they'll allow themselves to do things that are negative and abusive and detrimental to their health. Low self-esteem is an issue in our society. Now, I'm pretty sure America would be the same, but in Australia, 80% of women said they weren't happy with their body shape. 80%. And and 77% of that 80% blame the media and advertising companies for the images they constantly project on our screens of perfect bodies, perfect faces, perfect hair, perfect nails. And it makes them feel inadequate and it can affect 
people's self-esteem. So these issues are real. These issues are real. And as I said, there's other issues. Maybe you've got anger. Maybe you've got addiction. Maybe there's a habit you can't break. There's lots of issues in the world. These aren't the only issues. These are just three. Maybe they're real to you, maybe they're not, but maybe you're facing another issue. I guess my message today is all about, let's get real about some stuff. Let's not pretend. Let's not say, praise the Lord, life's good, if on the inside you're being tormented by stuff like this. Let's deal with some stuff, amen? Let's overcome some stuff, amen? But I want to ask you a question, is there an answer? Is there a way out? Has God just left us like this? Is this our lot in life? Is this as good as it gets? Do we just have to live with these issues and just try and manage them as best we can? Just try and get on with life as best we can with these issues tormenting us? Or has God in fact given us an answer? Is there something you and I can actually do to defeat and overcome the issues in life? Thank you, sir. Who said yes? You're a good man. Thank you for that. Can you say yes again? Just say it one more time. You know what? I like this guy. Him and I are on the same page. Yeah, there's some good news for you today, peeps. There's an answer. There's a way out. God has given you and I tools. He's given you and I weapons that we can use to defeat the issues of life. Amen. And today, I want to talk to you about what God has given you and I to overcome and defeat the issues we face in life. God has given you and I a sword. God has given you and I a weapon that we can use. Now you gotta remember when the Bible was written, a sword was the most sophisticated and effective weapon in the world at that time. Men with swords conquered nations. Men with swords overthrew governments. Men with swords patrolled the streets of cities and, and, and villages and kept people safe. The sword was the most advanced, powerful and effective weapon known to man at that time. So if you want to bring it into 2019, man, you just choose your weapon. You want a guided missile? You want an AR-15? You want some sort of tank or an F-18 fighter jet? You want a nuclear bomb? Man, you go as big as you want to go. But the point of the message is this, that God has given you something that can break through, that can destroy and can set you free from the issues in your life. But Paul described it as a sword, so we're going to run with that. I did ask if I could just shoot them, but they said no. <sighs> Too many rules in our society today. I know what Annie Oakley would have done. She wouldn't have had no sword when she was preaching this message. But we're going to run with a sword. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the hearts. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God in our lives is a weapon. It is a supernatural weapon that God has given you. And when Paul wrote those verses, what he was saying was, God has given you something in this world that is the most powerful and effective and destructive tool available in the earth today. It can break through any opposition. It can smash any issue. It can destroy anything in your life that is tormenting you. The Word of God is a sword. It's a sword. It's a sword. But you know, I want to just share this. Having a Bible is not enough. You know, if you put the Bible up on the bookshelf at home and make a space for it and stand back and say, hey, kids, look at this. What is it, Dad? It's a Bible. Wow. You know, that's a good start. But if you don't take that Word and use that Word and take up that Word, it's nothing but a monument in your home. You know, arguing about theology and doctrine and all that sort of rubbish, it doesn't help you. You know, people talk about cessationalism and sensationalism. I don't know what that stuff means. But all I know is that if you take the Word of God in your life and you apply it in your life, like God said, it becomes like a sword that can break through issues, that can break through stuff and overcome the rubbish that the devil's trying to put in your life. Don't argue about it. Don't debate about it. Don't look at it on the bookshelf and revere it. Take it up like a sword. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Amen. So how do we take it up? Well, turn with me, please, to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. I'm getting excited here. Anyone getting excited? I'm getting excited because this is real. I'm getting excited because some of you are going to find freedom here today. I'm getting excited because depression is going to be broken in your life here today. I'm getting excited because some of you are going to start a journey towards freedom. Some of you are going to start a journey towards healing. Some of you are going to start to experience light where there's only been darkness in your emotions. Light where there's only been fear and insecurity on the inside. The power of God is going to start to break out upon your life as you take up the sword. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from where? I can't hear I said I can't hear You've got to put the word in your mouth. Because you shall meditate in it day and night. You know that Hebrew word meditate, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. If you look it up, It means to mutter, to mutter, to mutter, to mutter. Meditation in the Old Testament did not mean thinking like in the East and and, and crossing your legs and sort of silently pondering. Meditation to the ancient Hebrews was a mutter. 
It was a muttering. It was a confession. It was a speaking. You see it on the wailing wall. If you look at Jerusalem today, you'll see those Jews. They stand there with the Scriptures and they mutter and they mutter and they mutter. That's a tradition that goes back to the days of Joshua and Moses and the Old Testament times. Meditation in the Word of God requires speaking. It requires muttering. In the New Testament context, this is what it looks like. You wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you look at Instagram and you think, there's a disconnect here. That person looks looks awesome. I look like that. But you ignore the image and you ignore the feeling that comes and you start to confess the Word of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If God is for me, who can be against me? He did not spare His only Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not also with Him freely give me all things? Oh, Hallelujah. I am of God and I've overcome them. And He who is in me is greater than He who is in this world. You've got to mutter it. You've got to speak it. You've got to declare it. You've got to say it. You've got to say it. You've got to say it. Let's turn to the next verse. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. And it's amazing how you start saying that. You start speaking the Word and you start looking yourself in the mirror and you start thinking, I look pretty good. I can see the hand of God in my life. I can see someone that's been created in the image of God. I've been wonderfully and beautifully made. I'm His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. You see, faith will cause you to see yourself differently. But to get that faith, you've got to speak the Word. You've got to confess the Word. You've got to mutter the Word of God over your life. Amen. And as you speak it, as you declare it, it's almost like you wake up one day and you say, man, I've got a sword in my hand. And that guy don't look like he's going to take a sword very well. That depression doesn't look, it's gonna, it's gonna, I don't think depression's gonna survive this sword in my hand. I don't think my fear and anxiety is gonna be able to live next to the sword that's in my hand. Man, God has given me a weapon to defeat my enemies. But you gotta speak it, you gotta declare it, you gotta say it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. He had in His right hand seven stars. This is Jesus. And out of His mouth, say mouth, went a sharp two-edged sword. And His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. This is a picture of Jesus speaking the Word, declaring the Word. Out of His mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. It's not enough to have a Bible. It's not even enough to read a Bible. It's not even enough sometimes to get prayer. That's why I said to pastor, I don't want to pray for people at the end. This is not some sort of drive-through Whataburgers. You know, when you drive up and say, I'll have a double cheeseburger with a large Coke and some deliverance, please. No problem, sir, just drive through, you know. Sometimes in Christianity, you got to work it, baby. you got to work it. 
And I'm not talking about physical work. I'm talking about spiritual work. You've got to get that sword out. You've got to get your Bible out. You've got to find some promises from God and you've got to start to speak Him. When you're feeling afraid, you've got to address the fear. With Scriptures about fear, you've got to start to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you've got to say it and you've got to say it and you've got to say it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And eventually, a faith will arise in your heart. A faith to know that these issues, they can't stay in your life. Speak the Word, peeps. Speak the Word. As I said, this ain't no drive through experience. This might take you a week. This might take you a month, but the creative power, Pastor was sharing this with me before, the creative power in God's Word, when we speak it, it recreates our self-image. It recreates our perception of ourselves. We suddenly see ourselves the way God sees us. And do you know God likes you? You know, He's happy with you. And if you can just get a glimpse of that, man, you start to walk a bit like Adam. With your clothes on though, you know, just keep, keep the clothes on. But you start to walk like Adam in the garden. You start to walk loud and proud, large and in charge. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. God's got a plan for my life. This earth's not going anywhere. We're not going to destroy the planet. No, sir, this earth's going to be around a long time until Jesus comes back. And until that time, I'm going to smile, man. I'm going to drive my diesel vehicle, man. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to fly a plane every now and then. I'm not worried about the earth because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. You walk by faith and not by sight. But you've got to take up the sword. You've got to take up the sword, peeps. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, Three things the devil came to Jesus and he did is he questioned his identity. He questioned his authority. And eventually questioned his sanity. Jesus said, if you are the son of God, he made him question himself. And the devil comes to you and says, man, you're not that good. You messed up. Aren't you feeling bad today? Don't you feel a bit sad today? Do you remember what happened yesterday? Do you remember what happened when you were a kid? And that whisper. Jesus had the same whisper. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus do? Did he get out the Time magazine? Did he turn on MSNBC? Say, get some of that devil, get some of that. No, 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 no. He spoke the word. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He kept his identity strong by the confession of God's word. And he was there for 40 days. This was no drive through Chick-fil-A. This was a 40 day program of Holy Ghost treatment, of speaking the word. Then the devil questioned his authority. He said, okay. All this authority is mine. The nations are mine. If you would worship me today, you can have it all. The devil tried to lower his self-esteem. He tried to lower the Son of God to a point where he'd worship the devil. And what did Jesus said? 
He said, it is written. Say it is written. He pulled out the sword. I tell you what, you pull out that sword, the devil's going to start to get nervous. He's been there before. He don't like it. He don't like it. You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. Man, we've got a message right there on the Word. We've got a message right there in worship. Pastor's about to do a series on that. I look forward to that. I wish I was here. And then the third thing he tried to question was his sanity. He said, just throw yourself off this temple. That was a suicidal thought. The Son of God had a suicidal thought. Don't be ashamed if you ever have a suicidal thought. The Son of God had one once. But he didn't just sit there and think about it forever, nor did he act upon it. He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In the day of one of his greatest trials, Jesus arose victorious because he spoke the word. He spoke the word. You can speak the word. You can speak the word. You can speak the word. It's the same word. There wasn't a special word for him and then one for us. It's the same word. It's the eternal word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, says God. You can speak the same word that the Son of God spoke. You can address the issues in your life with the most life-changing, powerful, creative force in the universe today. It's a spiritual weapon. It's a spiritual force that created the heavens and the earth. And when you speak it, your life is going to change. So if you're facing depression, you need to find some scriptures about joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You start speaking words specific to the issue you are facing. Find some scriptures, find some promises from God. And you will find that as you speak and as you declare and as you confess the Word of God, a supernatural spiritual sword against a demonic issue and problem. That was the power of God right there. Sometimes we slay them in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we slay them with the sword. Stand back, Cody. Something's about to happen here. (laughs) You speak that Word of God. You see, here's the thing. Some people, they they just put up with stuff. Well, I'm just a bit depressed. You know, I've been suffering depression since 1948. I'll just have to make do here. Don't do that. Don't let the devil keep you there. You say, you know what? Yeah, it's been pretty rough since 1948, but starting today, starting in 2019, I'm going to take up my sword. Man, I'm going to speak the Word of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You're suffering from fear and anxiety. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You see, it's just like that. Low self-esteem. If you've got a low self-esteem, you just need to find out how much God loves you. Put your name in this. For God so loved Bubba that He sent His only begotten Son 
that if Baba would only believe in him, he would not perish, but have everlasting life. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on Baba, that Baba should be called a son of God. Oh God, you must love me a lot to send your son. You must love me a lot to die for me on the cross. And as you speak that word and declare that word, it's like the issues, they break. And you know what? Just as I finally close here, I know a young man, I know a man that as a young man, he faced depression, he faced fear and anxiety, and he struggled with his self-esteem. As a young man, he'd go with his friends. He wasn't a Christian. And it'd be a sunny day. They'd go to the beach and they'd be having fun, partying. And he just felt sad. It was like a dark cloud came upon his mind and he couldn't shake it off. And his friends would say, what's wrong with you? Man, it's an awesome day. And And he would say, I don't know. I don't know. And he was so afraid of the future and so afraid of studying and exams that he actually had to quit school in his second last year of high school. He gave up. Too much pressure. Couldn't deal with the pressure. Withdrew into this world of drug abuse, alcohol abuse. No sense of future. No sense of hope. And his self-esteem was so low that he made choices which were not healthy choices. Drugs, alcohol, breaking the law. No sense of boundaries. But you know what? That young man got saved and asked Jesus into his heart. Someone taught him that there's a sword that God had put into his hand. And he started speaking. He started declaring. He started quoting scriptures about joy. He started quoting scriptures about God's love for him. He started quoting scriptures about fear and anxiety. And this is not hype here. I'm not trying to hype you up. I can honestly say in the last 30 years, that young man who's now me has not suffered from depression. That cloud has gone. The fear and worry for the future has gone. A faith has come in my spirit. I see hope for the future. I'm optimistic about the world and the love of God has created in me a sense of, you know what? I'm okay. I don't need a Kim Kardashian. I'm okay. Let's all stand to our feet. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that You are real. And I thank You that You are alive. I want every eye to be closed right now, please. I sense the Holy Spirit is here. There's two things we need to do, I believe, to deal with issues. And I've done this. I've had to deal with issues. And the first thing we need to do is get honest. Jesus said, those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. Truth is honesty. Truth is being real. Truth is to stop pretending. And we need to be honest with God. And I believe we need to be honest with some people. Part of my pathway into freedom was being honest with mature, spirit-filled Christian leaders in my church when I was young and just saying, you know what? I need some help here. I'm struggling with something. And as I open up my life, their faith, their prayers, their anointing helped me. But most importantly and secondly, as well as honesty, you've got to exercise your authority. You've got to stand up. You've got to start to walk up and down your household, your, your bedroom or out in the fields or in your car when you're driving and you've got to start to speak the Word. 
You've got to find scriptures relevant to the issues that are bothering you. If it's fear, find some scriptures about fear. If it's low self-esteem, find some scriptures about the love of God. If it's depression, find some scriptures about the joy of the Lord. Whatever it is that you're facing, find the promise of God relevant to it and you speak it and you mutter it and you say it and you say it and you say it. Just like your Saviour did. Every eyes closed, please, right now. And if you're here today and you know that you're facing some issues, I don't know what they are. God knows, you know. The devil knows too. And you want to start getting real right now. I'm going to pray a mass prayer right where you're standing. But I want you to raise your hand right now as an act of surrender to God that you're going to start to deal with the issues. That's right. There's hands everywhere. There's people everywhere. Father, I pray for these wonderful people. There's others. You need to raise your hand right now. It's an act of faith. Believing, believing, believing that stuff's going to change. Raise your hand. Holy Spirit, we thank You. You're here right now. Touch these lives, Lord. Touch these people, God. Set every prisoner free. I bind depression. I bind anxiety and fear. I bind the shackles. I bind the chains. I break their power. I break the yoke of low self-esteem, Lord, in the Name of Jesus. And I pray, let freedom come. Stir them up tomorrow morning, Lord, to start speaking. Stir them up to study Your Scriptures and find them and declare them and speak them over their lives, I pray, God. Oh, thank You, Lord. Man, the presence of God is here. Can we just lower our hands, please, but keep our eyes closed. There's other people here today and you don't know Jesus. You've never received Him as your Lord and Saviour. You might have been brought up in church. You might attend church, but you know you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered your heart to Him. Or maybe you're here today and you once did this, but you know you've slipped away. You know you've let your walk with God slip. But today you want to say, Pastor, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to surrender my heart and my life to Him. Even the stuff I'm ashamed of, even the stuff I'm embarrassed about. I want to come to Jesus today. Right where you're standing, I want to pray for you. Every eyes closed, please. If you're here today and you want to receive Christ, you want to respond to God and say, Lord Jesus, I want to know You as my personal Lord and Saviour, either for the first time or as a recommitment. I want you to raise up one hand in heaven right now. That's right, right now. God bless, God bless, God bless, God blesses others. You need to raise your hand. That's right, God bless, God blesses others. You need to raise your hand. You need to surrender your life to Christ. That's right, God bless, God bless. I feel in my heart there's at least two other people. You need. That's right, God bless. You need to surrender your heart to Jesus. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He created you in His image. There's something good about you. God loves you just the way you are today. Come to Him, come to Him. I want everyone in this church today to pray this prayer, but especially those whose hands are raised. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry for walking away. Help me, Lord Jesus, to walk with You, to know You. Thank You for dying for me. And I believe you rose again. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great hand of praise here today, church. Come on.